All right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I am joined by my brother Barney. How are you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, fine, man. Um, I've been in, enjoying the transfer window, although I feel like we could have had a bit more action than we have. Um, I've also enjoyed the, the sacking of Mourinho um, just for the the pure fantasy is it fantasization of him coming back to Portugal and somehow some way rumours that he could he could be the man to replace Sergio Conceição at Porto but that seems very tenuous I think no, I've seen people come to go Bo Vista as well <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we'll, we'll ever see Mourinho back in Portugal you know I think uh, yeah I can't see it happening he'll probably retire before he comes back to Portugal I think I, 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 the thing with Marino the, the Saudi money I feel will always be there you know he can, mm. so I reckon can, he's still got a, he's still got that card to play you know yeah so like but he, I don't he, think he has to play it yet that's the thing yeah, exactly you can afford a year or two in Portugal um, <laughs> and then go to Saudi get his money um, yeah yeah we can dream we can dream we can dream um well, we're obviously not going to talk about uh, Mourinho. We're going to talk about the Premier League this weekend, um, which we will get on to very shortly. Of course, Barney, 17 games played, which means we are at the halfway point of the season, which um, it, it's funny because for a while it felt like the the, the season was, was kind of dragging in a way. You know, it's, this league takes so long to get going because there's so many international breaks in the first part of the season and then all of a sudden um, we're halfway through. So I think um, at the end of the show, we'll, we'll have a quick look at the table and, and a more general chat just about how the uh, how the season's gone uh, so far. Um, but before we get stuck into this week's games, just a reminder, as always, uh, that if you are enjoying the show, to check out our uh, Patreon page where you can become a long ball football socio for £1 a month, including such benefits as uh, weekly bonus podcasts, a preview show that we put out every week, exclusive to uh, Patreon members, which we will be recording shortly after this, as well as our weekly predictions league, which is really fun and really addictive. That's something that most of our patrons get involved in. And of course, the monthly watch-alongs, which we did last night for Vittoria versus Aruka, which was a uh, an interesting game to watch, perhaps lacking a bit of quality, but plenty of uh, interesting moments throughout the game. Some disallowed goals and a, a 2-1 win for Vittoria, which was, was really important for them. So, um, you know, yeah. assist was a bit of, bit of brilliance, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. So there, there were there were some moments of magic in that game. And, and, and it's always, um, you know, to be honest with you, those watch-alongs, it's not even really about the game, is it? I think it's just about an excuse for for us to to hang out with the patrons and when we chat with each other and, and um, spend quiz. some time together. Did a little quiz at halftime, so um, so yeah. It's uh, if you if that sounds like your sort of thing and you enjoy the show, it's only one pound a month, uh, twenty five pence per week, which is uh, I think pretty good value. So uh, check that out. There will be a link in the description to how you can uh, sign up to that. Um, we're going to do four games this week, Barney. Short and sweet, perhaps. But there was a uh, a big game which we need to get our our teeth into. Uh, there's been a lot of big games recently, and this was another one: Porto versus Braga. Now, on last week's preview show, which only our patrons heard, we did of course discuss this game in advance, 
And one of the things that we said was that this was perhaps a bigger game for Braga than it was for Porto and that there was a real importance for Braga to get a good result in this game, to keep their top three ambitions alive. But more than that, Barney, for me, it feels like there's a, there's an even bigger significance here, which is it's about Braga proving that they are ready to disrupt the traditional big three and they're here to 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 make a scene and make themselves known. Unfortunately, though, the reality of this game was was anything that but that. I think Braga went down with a bit of a whimper. They barely troubled Porto's attack. Um, I thought they were very weak at the back, comfortably second best in this game. And in the end, it was a very comfortable 2-0 win for Porto. I thought it all looked far too easy for Porto. Yeah, it was um, quite disappointing, actually, how... Um... Well, I, I, they had their moments, and I think Diego Costa had a a, a good game in goal. Um, you know, some some uh, a decent performance. But you, I think that you know, as you say, the the overall feeling was just that they weren't they weren't quite at it. And um, I guess we're going to think of this from a Braga point of view, Albert. Um, and as you said at the beginning of the show, we're at the halfway point of the season. A lot of people are asking questions. A lot of people are quite critical of how hard it's been for Braga to. It feels like improve or take that next step, which we thought they were primed for at the beginning of the season. Um, I think there's a lot of things we can look at in terms of that. Um, I, one thing I think that we, well, we certainly did was, uh, I feel like we were completely, we, we just fell too easy for Braga's transfer window and thinking it was it was this perfect yeah. window. Um, I think if you look at the, those players that, you know, I think the, the the whole thing really is with, with Braga and the issue has been all season is the defence, right? And then, and when you look at those signings that they came in the summer, the likes of the security of Gomez, the right back, and Marin at left back, who are both fullbacks who are far better going forward than back. Font Joseph Font seemed on paper uh, a, a yeah. really good signing, but it hasn't um, quite played out like that. Zalazar, I would say, is probably perhaps one of the biggest successes of of this window, but. It's a midfielder who's far through playing as a ten, as he did in this game, than he is, than a sort of a six protecting the um, the back line, which he has played for quite a lot of uh, his games this season. So, it, I guess the point I'm trying to make out is that, you know, it's it's. I think I feel like it would not seem natural to blame Arthur George for this lack of progression, considering the window they had. But I think when you think about it, the players that they have actually brought in. You're looking at like Ronnie Lopez, Jao Moutinho, as you know, these are all right players, but they haven't played they're players who haven't really made a mark on this team or, or clearly improved them as, as much as we thought that they might possibly have done. So I, I I think that's the real issue here with Braga. And I think in this game in particular, you know, we're looking at uh you know, Jallo came back into the forward line. Obviously, Avarudos is leading the line, which we've talked about, but it just felt like there wasn't anything there and then you know who are we talking about them playing against a, a Porto team that we've been slaying all season and and this just feeds into the whole narrative doesn't it with Braga that you know Porto feel like they could be there to get got out this season yet Braga mm-hmm. have failed to make that step up uh, sorry I've talked pretty big big picture there Albert, but I, I guess in a way this game is pretty emblematic of that this, this, this situation and the reason why people are getting frustrated because of that lack of um well, the fact they haven't been able to close down Porto, and who are the, mm. easily the third best team in the league this season. 
Yeah, no, I think I think it is appropriate at this point in the season. You know, we are halfway, and obviously that's coincidental. But I think it is appropriate to talk about Braga in sort of a, a bigger picture sense. Um, I think it's alarming how how bad they are defensively, and how how considerably worse they are defensively than last season. So this game, they went with the centre back pairing of Paulo Oliveira and Jose Font. Now, I thought I thought um, Victor Gomez did some good attacking work from right back, as you say. That's his game. Right, that's his game, and I thought he did some good attacking work. Um, even Christian Borja at left back uh, did create some some chances going forward, but these are not, you know, these are not defensive players, and and maybe Braga need to consider whether they should play be, be playing a back three with with fullbacks like that who are not really um, as defensively sound. Um, but it, it, even the, the defending for the for the first goal, which I thought was so poor, you know, they try and play a high line on the free kick, and then Jose Font just just allows. Cardozo in uh, he's onside and it's the easiest goal that he will score this season but I think it is appropriate to to, to think about Braga bigger picture I mean Barney I want to try I want to try something here I'm gonna I'm gonna list um Braga's signings from the summer transfer window one by one and I want to I want you to tell me whether you think they've been a hit or a miss okay uh, I'm putting you on the spot here so I appreciate that but um I think this will be interesting. So starting off with with Bruma, who was obviously on loan last season, but they signed on a permanent deal for six point five million euros. We've had his injuries, haven't you? I, mm. I would say success just for what he did in the Champions League. I would say success as well. The injuries have been unfortunate, but I think he's been good in the league. Uh, Rodrigo Zalazar, I also think this has been a good signing, five million euros, and I think um, he's improved actually as the season's gone on. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Vita Cavallo, the defensive mill from Gilles sent two million euros, not an unsubstantial fee. Um, obviously brought in more to be a kind of squad player, but I think he's probably played his part. Yeah, it's a success. And then Victor Gomez, the right back, that was made permanent, obviously two million euros from Espanyol. I would still say for me, Barney, that he um, he has done what we hoped he would do. You know, his game is going forward and I think he's continued to play at a similar level as last season. Yeah, I would agree. So we're going to go through this and realize that everything's a success. <laughs> well, this is this is where it gets interesting to me because then it becomes about defensive signings. So you have Siku Nyakate signed for one point eight million euros from Jean Camp in France, a excellent player last season. For me, has not been good this season and has not been the same player we saw last season. Adrian Marin, the left back from Gilles Vicente, only five hundred thousand euros to sign him, but for me, I don't think he offers a lot. I don't think he's really at the level that Braga need. I don't think he's unseated Christian Borgia and what they really needed was an upgrade on Borgia. I don't think they got that. Ronnie Lopes, a free agent from Sevilla. Sevilla hardly made his mark, but a bit harsh again to judge perhaps because he's needed time to bed in. Barney, it's the two big ones that I think we, we need to discuss. Uh, Joao Moutinho and Jose Font. I mean, Jose Font for me not being good enough, but he's 39 years old. What did we expect? And Joao Moutinho, 36, you know, had his moments and, and, and looked good on occasion, but the thing I'm trying to get a picture of here is that it was a big investment and I think a lot of the signings have been good and will come good but the point is Barney it's defensively the defensive reinforcements haven't worked out Nyakate is not the same player uh, Jose Font's not really ready to contribute uh, in the same way that we perhaps thought he might do so you know the left back Adrian Marin again not really good enough so it's centre back in perhaps both centre back positions and that left back that they're weak and I think that's the big issue here. It's, it's a defensive weakness that um, is really, really letting them down because we know they can score goals, but defensively, it, it's really poor. 
Yeah, complete. And then that is the difference between being at the right at the top of the table, isn't it? And and you know you can score as many goals as you want and have a free flowing, attacking football. But if if you're if you're weak at the back, that's where the issues are. Look, I think if we look, perhaps dig a little deeper on what you were just saying there, and I think that follows on from what I was saying. Like, that's where we need to perhaps. I think you, you can be forgiven for signing Niakate and Gomez because they had good starts, uh, they had good seasons last year, and, and I think they are good players. So, um, can, I, can, I, can I just say, for the record, I, I also think that they're, they're, they're good signings, and I think they will come good. I mean, Niakate yeah. proved that he can be a top player, and Victor Gomez. So, you know, this is about temporary form and about getting the best out of players for me more than poor signings. Well, that's why I think there's Joseph on and Moutinho's signings are quite interesting, right? Because the other way you can look at it as well is that. Yeah, they've been brought in for the, let's say, the experience for the Champions League, perhaps these big games in the league. That hasn't happened for either of them. They haven't really had those performances where they, you know, you felt like, oh, thank God they're in this team. And and then what you've got is those two players blocking pathways for the, perhaps younger players. And, you know, part of Braga's success so far is, and then you can even throw Ronnie Lopez in there if you want. For, you know, they've got Roger who is plays in the same position. Ronnie Lopez has perhaps got more game time than Roger. I, I just think, yeah, it's... Um, there's lots of look. It's credit to Braga the fact that we're being so critical on the fact that they haven't been able to close on on third spot, right? Because it, it's 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 still you know we've got to remember the, the the financial capabilities of this club compared to the big the bigger three, and, and and they are making the right going in the right direction, and, and you know they're they're getting more more and more money, and of course the Champions League this year will help them, and they can perhaps push on even further. But I think the problem they've got is it's just it's, it's just quite obvious and it's that yeah as you, we've both said many times this season it's that defence it's let them down and that's really is hindering them in any sort of progress this season um, I you know I wonder about Arthur George because perhaps people might blame him for this but the, I think the point that we, we sort of got around to here is perhaps it's the um, recruitment more than the you know the coach himself because um, you know you can only use what you've got can't you the, the last thing I'll, I'll say on this kind of bigger picture Braga chat is um Interesting stats about how they performed at this stage of the season for the last few years. I got these stats from someone called at Valella SCB on Twitter. So thank you to uh, to that person. So the interesting thing, Brian, is that after all that money spent and, and a window which we thought was really successful, Braga are seven points worse off uh, at this point of the season than they were at the same point last season. Under the same manager, they had 40 points last season. This season, they have 33 Um it looks like from sort of going back to even 2014 that, you know, in an average, on average, a successful season was about 36 or 37 points and, and a poor season was closer to 30. Um, but I think we would all agree that in the last four or five years or so that, that Braga have improved in terms of this, the kind of squad and the, the management and, and they've improved in terms of their recruitment and, and even selling on players. So, we should probably be expecting a bit more from them. I think we should probably be expecting, you know, 37 points minimum at this point in the season with with the squad that they've got. Um, alas, they are only on 33, which is a big downgrade on last season. And significantly for me, Barney, which brings us back to this game, it's about the fact that they haven't looked convincing against uh, the big three enough for me. Um, and that is a big problem because we've always known that Braga can beat the smaller teams, right? That's never been the issue. The issue is about breaking into the, that top bracket with those top teams and they the first half of this season they they haven't looked any closer to doing that than they have in previous seasons no and and as i said i think porto were i don't know they've been improved in a couple 
in the last few games. And but the you know there was still an opportunity there for Braga to to heap the pressure on conscious hour, if you if you will. But look, let's I guess let's move on to Porto now because yeah, like like they feels like something has changed. You know, um, they had a good performance in the cup. Um, obviously, those players. Um, Taremi's away uh, for the Asia Cup and Zaidu's away for the AFCON. Um, so there's been a few forced changes, I would say, to Conchiteau. And, and those forced changes, I feel, is, <laughs> as has as worked out really well, right? I think it's this, it just feels like a much better team. Um, it's sort of a 4-2-3-1 formation. You know, you've got Evan Nielsen, the lone striker. You've got Nico Gonzalez coming in alongside Varela. Francisco Conchiteau in the starting eleven. you know, which is... Everyone's been mm. calling for. Look, I I think I said last week about, about sometimes I feel like a, a bit of a an armchair manager, and and, I, and I'd sort of put myself down. Oh, we all, mate. But look, it, it, I it, look what's happened. It's it's what everyone has been calling <laughs> for, and it just looks so much better. I think um, Pepe behind the striker is is nice. It sort of plays into you know one of his strengths, which is when mm. he gets into the middle of the pitch as well. Even I mean, just when... not playing right back is a good start. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, and I think even um, you know something we, we sort of touched on with Braga there. Wendell playing over Zaidu, right? Wendell is um, a much more solid left back. You know, Zaidu obviously has that attacking and and the. the Energetic and the athleticism, but Randall just feels that bit more comfortable and it brings a bit mm. more stability to that left hand side, you know. And and like I said, I think this was a, a, a really good team that Conscious Hell put out. And do you know what? I, I just saw these comments from Conscious Hell after the game, and I just think he's such a wind up merchant. He knows exactly <laughs> what he's doing. You know, he would have had thousands of Porto fans calling for these changes, you know, putting, yeah, dropping yeah. Taremi, putting Nico Gonzalez in. And he says, he says something along the lines of like, well, you know, it would have been nice to have Taremi and Zaidu here. You know, they, they, they <laughs> as if they probably would have played. And, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, I don't know. I've, it, like I said, I think Evan Nielsen looks really good by himself. You know, that, that mm. sort of changed him. You know, that that move and that freedom to sort of go either side of the centre backs. You know, take to choose which one he wants to test out. I think yeah. that worked really well. And you know, yeah. It, I've, I'm sorry, I've said a lot there, but I, I just, it just felt. Like it's 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 a big release for me because I've been wanting to see this sort of team yeah, yeah. for for a long time. No, I agree. I agree completely. I mean, it's it, evolution is such an interesting one, right? Because he should he should have been on the same trajectory as, for example, a Darwin Nunez, you know, or a uh, Luis Diaz, you know, that that signing from South America, destined for big things, and he has been held back, you know, by by injuries. How long has he been at Porto now? Is it eighteen months? I think he was signed in a January transfer window, or is it even two and a half seasons? Yeah, like, two and a half, two right? two full seasons, perhaps now, because he was signed in a. I think he was signed in a winter window. So, you know, when you think about Darwin Nunes, who signed had a shaky first season, kicked on in that second season, and and now is playing up front for Liverpool in the Champions League. Uh, Evan Osh has been there for two full seasons now, and. Um, it's a big few months coming up for him. I think in the second half of this season, he has shown in patches that he's got great ability. I mean, his his last few games have been great. He he was fantastic in the cup against Estoril, scored an amazing goal. Um, scored a couple in that game, and and he scored a penalty in this one. Very good for him. Um, but yeah, you know, he's he's kind of been held back by maybe Mediterranean not being able to get in the team, injuries. Etc. Etc. So I think this could be uh, a big month for Evan Ilsen. If he gets a few more goals in the lead, that'll be really good news for him and and, and really good news for Porto. Um, 
But I just think, you know, Porto, it obviously wasn't their most testing game, but they, they were obviously very good defensively. This is it, man. Conversely to, to Braga, Porto very good defensively. How interesting is this? I don't know if you would agree. For me, Fabio Cardozo walks into that Braga team at the moment. And I think that's interesting because Fabio Cardozo is not someone who is considered a player really of, of Porto standard, if you see what I mean. He was signed from from uh, Santa Clara and he was always kind of seen as, oh, he'll be like a little backup option, just a cheap domestic signing. He's been pretty decent, man. Whenever he's played, he's kind of improved. And I think he wears that Porto shirt really well now. Took his goal really well and... and um Looks really good. And I think, look, I like you, there are other positives for, for Porto. I mean, Nico Gonzalez playing and playing well, I think, is a good sign. I think Sergio Constantel kind of showing that he's going to play this guy now, I think is good because there were rumours recently that he was going to leave and that Constantel didn't want him. But I think if Constantel realises he's got a talented player on his hands, I know it means Eustachio didn't start, but I think Eustachio, him, uh, Alan Varela, there'll be enough minutes to go around between those three players and I think um you know squad depth is important so look lots of um lots of good signs for Porto even though like I said I don't think they were tested particularly and you know they'll be they'll you know as long as they keep this going keep the positivity the the, the attacking football and and scoring goals um I think that's a uh, that's a very good sign um I, I I didn't want to end on negativity on Braga Barney, but I've just realized one thing that I wanted to 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 mention to you that I didn't so let's just let's just quickly do it with this we said um, uh, on the previous show again last week, not only was this a big game for Braga, but a big game for Abel Ruiz. Obviously had his difficulties in the Mino derby, missed a big chance. Um, we said it was a great opportunity for him to bounce back without looking, without checking. How many shots on target do you think he had in the game? Uh, three. Zero. How many shots of any kind do you think he had in the game? Oh, don't say zero. Zero. Uh, he had 15 touches in the whole game and yes he did play 90 minutes and I think that's um, that's pretty shocking <laughs> yeah but, well I think like I said Pep would have been licking his lips at the prospect of playing against him you know getting good guy yeah. his confidence it's just yeah no oh man <laughs> well look well that's the last we'll say on that game but you know two teams in, in very different positions and um you know, Porto getting the one over on Braga and, and moving above them in the table. Important for them this season. Um, Braga need a big, better second half of the season. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, let's do another game, Barney. Let's talk about uh, Benfica, who on the surface got a very impressive 4-1 win over Rio Ave. But um, it could have been a very different outcome in different circumstances. Rio Ave were, were very impressive in the first half. They scored the first goal to go 1-0 up. Um they really could have scored two or three goals before a very controversial second yellow card for Adelan Santos saw them reduced to 10 men. And from that point on, Benfica capitalised. They punished Rio Ave. They scored three goals uh, in the last 30 minutes and it turned out to be a very, very professional job after the red card. But Barney, for me, I think Rio Ave will, will be looking at this game thinking they really could have done so much better if they kept 11 men on the pitch because they were consistently making big chances I thought in this game at a level that I really did not expect I did not see that this performance coming from from Rio Ave oh, well, um, Lewis Freer the manager after the game said if, if they don't say the best team was Rio Ave then they are liars you know that shows the 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 pride he had in his team's performance um, and as you said it was perhaps you know Adelaide Santos had a, was having a really good game and it was a shame that, that you had those two yellows um, to, to change it I think the thing that 
it's a thing that I've seen people criticise uh, Roger Schmidt for a few times now is that he just doesn't seem to play the game in front of him. You know, he's, he's very much f- focused on what he wants to do. And and, and with Lewis Freer, you've got a, a really talented young manager who plays, you know, who has his, his rear out team playing almost a, a perfect way to play against Benfica's you know, 4-4-2, if you will. You know, it's it's, it's with the, they play with the wing backs and, and that certainly exposed Benfica's midfield cover that they get from Dima and Jao Mario, you know, that will lack of, if you will. And, and the, the way the midfield was played with Adiri and Guga and, uh, you know, there was just always options to pass around and, and they played, yeah, they just played so well. Um, uh, you know, they, they just expose, well, it, it, like I said, it's just the formation and, and the way they play that really was easy to play against Benfica, if you will. Um, I think if Truman doesn't make some of the saves he does and Benfica, Aren't as good as they are on the counter attack with Di Maria and Rafa, you know. Then this, like you said, this this game could have really could have played out differently. Um, they were just yeah, perhaps very fortunate that that red card came about because they they needed something like that to to change the game. And because I, I don't think you want to get it from Roger Smith. Hmm. Interesting. The red the red card itself, Barney, a second yellow. We should say so. Adelan Santos got given a, a second yellow card for a handball. Um. Which uh, is not checked by VR, obviously a second yellow card not checked. Um, I have to say, I did think this was, was was quite harsh, to be honest, Barney. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy seeing this, given that the ball kind of bounces up off the floor onto his hand. Slow motion makes it look a bit worse in a sense that it kind of makes it look like he's putting his hand towards the ball. But I think in real time, it's nothing out of the ordinary. Um, I know the rules are that if a ball bounces off a body part onto your hand, then it's not a handball and. You know, it feels like it did feel like a very, very, very harsh decision, and and um, every other must have been really disappointed. Obviously, from I think, that um, point, I think his first sorry, I think his first yellow card was a a good challenge as well from some of the replays. I've really, seen. yeah. Well, there you go. So you know, this is the thing about you know what these small teams need against a big club to to get a good result. You know, they need things to go their way. They need things to maybe not go against them in a way that they did, perhaps in this game. But I think. To be fair to Rio Ave, they probably weren't banking on winning this game anyway. Um, we know they're fighting to get out of the, the relegation zone, but I think they can use this as a positive and think, look, if we can play uh, this way against Benfica in, in our more winnable games, that's going to be a big help. And I think, like I said, I think, I'm not sure whether we said it on last week's show or last week's preview show, but I think Rio Ave are a really interesting team to keep an eye on at this point in the season because their transfer bans are over. They're able to bring in new players. Luis Ferreira seems kind of re-energised in a bit. The team seems a bit re-energised. They've got players like Yukubu Aziz is back. So there's, you know, there is improvements. And I think this is a team that had a poor start to the season. It was really difficult for them in the first half of the season with that transfer ban to to be motivated to to have that kind of that positivity around the club that that they need. But I think they're showing signs of getting that back in this. I think they will use this as, as a real boost to galvanise the team in a way that they really need. Yes, certainly. Uh, and, you know, they are being active in the, the transfer market as well. Um, Tan Longo as well, the uh, young Argentinian midfielder, uh, coming on loan from Sporting after his... Um, uh, he was on loan, obviously Copenhagen or something like that, but that pulled, uh, got... Cancel. So you know they're, they're they're being active. They're looking to improve. And as you say, Free is a really good manager. Um, and well, well, he's in this weird situation now, isn't he? Where he knows he's not going to be there at the end of the season, but he's got so he's got to sort of 
he's based in the shop window, isn't he? You know, mm-hmm. for sort of to show what he's what he could bring to a team. Um, so yeah, I mean, go back to Benfica and 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 sort of yeah, the key moments for me was was that that equaliser on the counter attack because as as we both said now that you know they they were they were struggling before that and they needed that mm-hmm. moment. Brilliant. Coming from Rafa and and uh, it, it hasn't been confirmed, but I think sort of pointing to him leaving the end of the season. I just I'm starting to feel, you know, with with these the, this speed and the way he can, but you know, he's been so effective. I mean, he's he's got 11 goals and 11 assists for the season this year, and this is the second time in his career that he's reached double figures in goals and assists in the same season. Um, and the last time he did that was 21-22 season where he scored 12 goals and made 17 assists. But, you know, he's got these figures for this pathway through the season now. So um, that's pretty pretty impressive. I, I, I just, I wonder if he'd be one of those players who, when he leaves, you realise how hard it is to replace someone like him. And in that number 10 role and then the way, like I said, his pace and, and you know, he's, I just know. I, I just think that he's a really interesting player, and and, and it, I think it will be quite, it will be quite strange to see Benfica without him for you know for, for you know lots of reasons. Um, yeah, and I guess the other person I wanted to talk about was the the striking position of um, Marcus Leonardo uh, getting on the pitch. You know, their new uh, Brazilian striker that they've signed, um, great little header, great assist from Ausnes. Um Passionate celebrations, kissing the bars in the first game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, very nice. Yeah, very bold. But look, I, I, it, I just felt I was. I've, I wonder if I've gone through a similar journey as other Benfica fans. You know, after Arthur Cabral's gone through this whole thing of being that marquee summer signing, and at one point swearing at the fans midway through the season when he's had barely any opportunities, he's mm-hmm. now finally managed to work his way back in the team, and he does try hard, and then. You know your your young comparator just comes on the pitch and scores straight away. Uh, yeah, it, I think Cabral will start again for the next few games, but I think Marcus Leonardo sort of showed a a different striker that they haven't had that sort of profile strike. You know, in terms of his his running, his his two footedness, his um, his mobility is is just stark contrast for me compared to Cabral. So mm-hmm. um, that that that's exciting. That's a positive. You know, that 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 can help you push Benfica a bit more. Yeah, I do feel a little bit sorry for Artica Brown because it feels like he's just started putting in positive performances and then, as you say, Marcus Leonardo scores with almost his, uh, well, not quite his first touch on the pitch, but do you know what I mean? His first chance, he takes it. So I think, I hope that they find a way of, of using both those players because I do like Artica Brown. I think he does need time to uh, to bed in. But um, yeah, for, for Benfica, obviously, look, very pleasing the way that they managed to, to see out a, a difficult game and you know, it's one thing to say, oh, they, they won the game because they were playing against 10 men, but they had to capitalise on, on the situation and they did so with great professionalism. And I think from that moment, it, it really looked like it was never in doubt about who was going to win the game. So um, credit to them for that. And uh, another important win keeps them one point behind uh, Sporting in the title race, um, which I think brings us nicely onto, onto Sporting's game. Um, who, of course, did maintain their lead at the top of the table with a, a comfortable... 3-0 win away against Shavs, although a heavily waterlogged pitch, shall we say, made things more difficult than they needed to be. Um, no Marcus Edwards in this game due to illness, uh, but goals from Paulinho, Trinkau and Pedro Gonzalez gave them all three points. Yeah, it was a pretty... It's pedestrian the right way, but a pretty 
standard win for Sporting. There was no real trouble from Shavs. Um, and it was also well quite important for the fact that this is a, a different eleven from the one we've become used to, particularly in the attacking areas. Uh, Trincao got the start alongside uh, Jokeres and, and Paulini on the other side. Um, both getting on the good score sheet. Um, you know, Paulino looks really. I, I know I like him in that position. It, it sort of definitely suits him. I think we're obviously seeing a better, better Paulino than we did uh, from the one last season. Trincao as well is, is a is a really interesting one because he'd have every right to be. And there, there were rumours uh, coming in the last few weeks about him perhaps moving to uh, Marseille or Lyon. Mm. Um, but you know, and, and that's interesting because you know this is a big signing from Barcelona. You know, this is a, this is a big player. Marcus Edwards was very much nailed on that that starting spot. So for him to be scoring when he's been given opportunities and then never looking, um, he's always good. Essentially, is what I'm trying to say. Um, that's very important. And um, and then finally, Pedro Gonzalez is playing in, the, in back in the midfield. Um, something that I think at this point last year we were just begging Amarin to stop doing, but um, <laughs> absolutely paid off in a game like this where they're coming up a you know a poor shots and he was able to excel. You know, found lots of space, lots of joy. Um, popped up some good areas, and uh, you know, just yeah, I thought you, you know, it just it, 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 just nice and easy, just what they want really at this stage of the season. Yeah, I mean, and, and it was you know interesting choice. Obviously, Marita's gone to the Asian Cup, so he's got options that he can play in that in that midfield position. You know, could have gone for Braganza, could have gone for uh, Dario Asugo, who himself has been linked with Shavs, obviously, but um. Went with with Pedro Gonzalez. I think you're right. It was the right game to do it because you know, in the nicest possible way, Shavs are there for the taking at this point. They're they're, they're a wounded animal, aren't they? They're they're kind of really struggling. Um, we speculated, didn't we, when they signed 37 year old Vasco Fernandez, whether he would line up at centre back alongside 37 year old Stephen Vittoria. Not only did he do so, but they went to a back three, which I thought was um, was interesting. I'm not sure how much they've played that this season. They tried to match up. Sporting man for man didn't work out, and I mean, it was a really, really tough game for for Shabs. Obviously, coming up against a very good team, they didn't get a single shot on target. You know, they went for the back five, and it was it was a defensive back five. It just meant they couldn't get out of their own half. The pitch didn't help. The ball was just completely the pitch was waterlogged. The ball couldn't move. They didn't get any opportunities. And it's it's a really, really, really tough time for Shabs because they, they cannot get a win at the moment. We thought they were over the their hump, their initial their initial problems this season. We thought Moreno would come in and and got the team firing, got them winning, got them putting points on the table, but they are really struggling again and and you know, difficult in this game, of course, to see to to make a difference, but really didn't show any signs of, of improvement in this game, which I think was you know, it's a worry around Shabs at the moment. Yeah, I think, you know, Moreno is uh, really struggling to try and find any sort of stability. Um, I think you, you, you highlighted the signing of the uh, Fernandez. I think they've, they've, they're certainly looking to bring in more players um, to try and patch things up, if you will, because, yeah, I feel like they, they need to sure up at the back if they've got any chance you know, that's an obvious thing to say but that, that that's what exactly what they need to do because they are shipping goals at the moment um, I mean a signing I do like is um, Gozzo um, uh, the Brazilian Italian midfielder who used to be on the books of Vizella um, I think he'll come he'll bring a bit of quality to that mid- midfield as well um, 
but it is it is a wor- very worrying times for Chaps. I mean, it, the, the anomaly is is that Hector Hector Hernandez has got eight goals for the season. I, I just I know. When I was but how many? Is, but how many has he got in his last ten games? He got seven goals in six, didn't he? But how you know? You know, we we yeah. see these types of players a lot, don't we, Bonnie? They just pop up with a few. We're going to talk about one in, in the next game, actually. But they they pop up with with goals over a period and then completely drop off. You know. Oh yeah, completely, and and it, it yeah, it it feels like I don't know. I I I guess what I'm saying. I think Moreno is 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 a completely different situation from what he had at Victoria, right? And then the fact that. He was always afforded this luxury of being able to try and bring these youngsters, and it's sort of paid off. You know, remember mm-hmm. the likes of his backline at one point was Am- Am- Amar and Bamba, and you know these young mm-hmm. centre like He's really is just now like scrabbling for any sort. Well, clearly, of... clearly, he wants experience to try and get yeah, them out of the hole, yeah. doesn't he? Exactly, and and whether that will pay off or not, we'll have to see. But um, yeah, it was a uh, they didn't really show much against Sporting in this game at all. No. Um, all right, let's quickly do one last game, Barney. Um, and I really think this is worth talking about because uh, it was a game that in our preview show we we viewed as a game perhaps between two teams competing to be the worst in the league on current form. Um, but one of them was actually pretty decent in the, in this game in the end. Boavista, they beat Vizela 4-1 away from home, including a goal from Rodrigo Abascal, which he scored in his own half catching the Vizela keeper off his line that pretty much summed up I'm going to say summed up Vizela's season to be honest that goal um, very subtly Barney after a period of real stagnation it's it's two good results in a row for Bovista under under their new manager they drew with Porto last week very good result and then four goals in this game against Vizela and, and a really really resounding win so very suddenly two two um, two very positive results Yes, um, I think they can. Do you know? What? I think it's, it's a defense they can they can thank for this, right? Because mm. um, Gonzalez has had a few good games now uh, uh, in goal. Um, Sasso and Abascal were, were two goals in this game, but also you know some some good performances overall. Uh, is, and is, is yeah, it's just just giving that that boost and, and Makut and Perez sort of coming in ahead of them to protect that back line. Those are those are the the key areas, right? And then obviously Abascal's goal in this game. I mean, mm-hmm. he's your man. I, maybe I should let you describe it because <laughs> I, I, I've been an Abascal doubter in the past. But uh... you've uh, you, you've you've never let me live down that. Was it once <laughs> I put him on the bench in my team, team of the season outside of the big three? Listen, he's all right. He's um he's had his moments, but yeah, this was a this was an amazing goal. A free kick inside his own half, which he took quickly because he saw the Vizela keeper off his line in it. I mean. If you're the Vizela keeper in that moment, your heart sinks because it's one of those where, in a weird way, I know it's got a long way to travel, but as soon as he hits it, you know it's in, and the keeper's scrabbling back, and he and he he makes an attempt to save it, and he can't. The best bit about this goal, and I urge anyone to go and watch it, just because it's a great goal to watch. But go back and watch it, and watch not his reaction, but the reaction of his teammates. And there's one player who I'm not sure who it is. But he's he's standing on the halfway line and the goal goes in and he just falls to the ground with his head in his hands and he lies there banging his fists on the ground for a good 30 seconds and it just sums up for me um, where Vizela are at the moment. I mean, we spoke about Shavs as, as a team in trouble, Barney. Vizela are another team in 
in real, real trouble. Um, second bottom of the table on on thirteen points. They've they've changed the manager now, and I think that's the big worry is that they've changed the manager and they've not noticed um, a positive uplift at all. Really, they've now got no win in the league since they beat Casapia on the fifth of November. Um, so that's really getting on for quite a long time now. Um, Samuel Senbani that scored their goal, their consolation, his eighth goal of the season. That's a very small positive because they've got a striker who can score. But at the at the moment, there's very very few players on this team who who are contributing at all. Well, you say you can score. I mean, the the, the interesting statistic in this game is that Vizela had thirty three shots compared to Burgess's eleven. Um, <laughs> but uh, how many on target? Them, Fourteen of them were off, off target. Well, um, still a lot. Ten of, them, ten of them blocked. So another. Shout out to um, Burgess's defence there. Look, um, Samuel Sendia, you know, he's he's been, I would say, a consistent in, in for Vizella in that sense. Um, since um, the new manager's come in, and forgive me, I've forgotten his name, but Vizella, it, it's been very much inconsistent in terms of the teams he's putting out, the, the players he's selecting, the formation. Um, it, and I think that's why they've been struggling to to, to push on at all, really. Um, in this game, he promoted um, Abdul Awudu from uh, their B team, or the under-23 team, sorry, uh, to come and to sort of play one of his attacking um, midfield positions. Didn't really pay off, you know, especially when you've got the likes of Alex Mendes on the bench, who's, who's been good recently. Um, and the, and the, the midfield, uh, the double pivot, you know, um, Danny Nascimento has been quite good there, um, but um, Bustamante, um, a player at the beginning of the season who... I fell in love with from a YouTube video compilation, um, but that hasn't paid off at all in terms of you know the the player he he just doesn't give that defensive protection at all, and and, and like I said, you know this isn't he's not been a regular start for them, so it's another change to this team that um, they've done gone with. Um, yeah, I it, I don't know what's going to happen to them in terms of you know if they'll be able to improve in the market because. I don't, I don't know how if the money's there, but it's they need something needs to change fast, and I just feels like there there hasn't been a clear vision or a clear plan. Ruben de la Barrera has got um yeah he's got to start making things happen fast because they they you know they they look like a team that could be in trouble. And and look, I think we've probably said this in in, in other ways with this discussion, but Berbers had no right really to to, to you know beat a team 4-1 at this stage of the season you know they, they're mm. in absolute dire straits and yeah. so for that for Zeller to let that happen is, is not good completely alright well that's the last of the games that we're going to discuss um, this week but as we are at the halfway point through the season I think it is worth us having a look at the table um, we're going to run through these teams and just you know give our thoughts on, on where they are how their seasons have gone maybe what they, they need to improve um, in the second half of the season, uh, we'll probably rattle through a few of these, especially the top teams, because we we do talk about those every week. Uh, but just a, a reminder and some clarification on the top of the table. Of course, if you if you if you weren't aware, we have Sporting at the top of the table on forty three points. Um, Benfica second, uh, just a point behind with forty two points. Um, Porto are five points off the title in third place with thirty eight points. Also four points off second. Um, let's deal with the top three first, actually, Barney, because there's a little group behind that. That's that's interesting. But I mean, you know, obviously, fantastic season for Sporting. Benfica got over uh, some early upsets, and 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 there'll be, I think, you know, let's be 
one point off the title with 17 games to go, like that's a good position for Benfica because we know that they can they can really motor through a second half of the season and do well. And in Porto, obviously, look, disappointing, five points off the title. But again, with all of the big three still to play each other once more in the second part of the season, and, and we know there'll be twists and turns, five points is not a, a, a disaster at this stage of the season, although it could obviously be better. Oh, yeah, but I think in, in terms of everything that's the whole air and atmosphere around Porto and when we're discussing them, you know, they, to be that close is absolutely brilliant for a yeah. team that we've described as struggling. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the really interesting battle in this top part of the table, though, Barney, is is fourth and fifth. And I think a lot of people won't won't realise if they're not checking the table regularly. But after Braga's disappointing two results in a row, they drew with Vittoria and then they lost to Porto. Um, but Vittoria having a really, really strong, strong season so far. The two Mino teams are actually uh, on joint level 33 points. And Vittoria are currently... And I could not tell you why. It's something to do with head-to-head, but they're 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 above uh, Braga in the table at the moment. I think we on our live stream last night we uh, worked out this was probably because they got a goal against Braga. So in the head-to-head, an away goal counts as a you know. Anyway, they're ahead of Braga at the moment in the table, although they have got a slightly worse goal difference. But this is a really fascinating thing to look at, Barney, because you know Braga, loads of investment in the summer, loads of optimism about them at the beginning. Vittoria, who, let's not forget, have already changed managers twice this season. Twice. Um, they crashed out of the Europa Conference League against a team from Slovenia. And yet here we are, halfway through the season, and they are on joint level points, and Vittoria's currently sit fourth. Five points off Porto. I mean... I think that's a really, I think that's a really interesting story, and 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 I think it's gone under the radar, and probably you know we've we've been at fault of that as well, not giving Vittoria as much credit as perhaps we should have, because Alvaro Pacheco is doing a fantastic job. No, he really is. Um, he, he really, really is. And uh, do you know it's fun, interesting to hear you mention the Conference League there because that feels a very, very long time ago. But back in it, July, didn't it start? Yeah, but but look, I think in a way, imagine if they had progressed because that wouldn't that probably would have been a very much unwanted distraction for Victoria and then the fact that they be able to focus on the league and, and you can compare that to Braga in a way because we've certainly seen um Braga come back from uh, playing in the Champions League and having a, a bad performance or, or individuals certainly uh, being tired and so yeah yeah I, that that that's that'll be in uh that's certainly benefited Victoria. Um I like them. I, I think Pache has really got them moving in the right way. There's a bit more of a so it's a conviction the word, but you know that it, it, even in that game last night against Aruka, you know it, that could have, that was a tricky game. You know it, mm. it, it wasn't easy, and, but you know, they they did what they needed to do to get the win, and then and play, like Nuno Santos, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, came out more brilliant. So um, yeah, I think that that's a. <laughs> I mean, imagine it. Imagine yeah. if, it, if that that race paid out at the end of the season. That'd be fantastic. And again, just just lastly, another thing that we discussed during during the watch long um, was that this isn't even the best Victoria squad that that we've seen in in the years doing this podcast you know i think there are still weaknesses and and they've lost players in the summer so really really interesting that they're that they're doing so well um let's take this in patches and then of course there is a there is a team sort of separated from the rest of the pack uh in sixth place and that is is Moraren's um newly promoted team um an ambitious manager a good group of players um 29 points so they're four behind Braga in fifth um and seven points ahead of of seventh place so they they they're kind of 
uh, standing alone at the moment, the only team outside of the top five with a positive goal difference. Um, and we've spoken about them quite a few times, Barney, but just to reiterate, you know, very, very impressive season for them, uh, getting some very good results against good teams with a, with a very interesting group of players and, and playing good football. So, you know, I think it is, it is very positive. I know they lost a couple of games recently, but um, still very positive for them. Well, you know, they, they bounced back off that surprise 4 and lost to Casapia by beating um, Estoril 3 one the weekend and Estoril were the team we thought were on the up. So that, that, was, that was good for them to get back to winning ways. Um, no, they're having a, a brilliant season. Um, uh, you know, and I, I think they're still not too far away from Victoria to sort of have a, have hopes and dreams of getting into that spot. So, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll hopefully keep going. I think for me, I have a family cow, the one below them in seventh is, is the most interesting one because... Mm-hmm. Only Vizella have scored less goals than them, just 17 goals and wow. uh, only 20 conceded, though, which you could see as a, as a, as a good, but look, I just uh, had so much promise uh, and, and then sort of fizzled out slightly, although they've got a really good squad. It's just, a, yeah, an interesting season for them. Yeah, and, you know, it's a lot spoken about the fact that they, they've probably got the fifth largest budget in the league. You know, they have got some money behind them and um, we're constantly talking about whether they're going to kind of make their mark on the league but it, I think they have underperformed if I'm being brutally honest not terribly you know they're not really in danger of relegation but they could be doing a lot better um, and just finishing up the the, the the top half of the table um, two teams perhaps in, in different situations Ferenz in 8th with 21 points and Bovista on uh, in ninth on 20 points Bovista's start to the season and recent results uh, giving them a healthy points total, which kind of masks a really, really disastrous um, patch uh, for about ten to twelve games, where they where they they lost ten out of twelve games or something crazy. Um, but then Ferenc Barney, conversely, another newly promoted team who I think you would call eighth place for, for Ferenc, um very very good result. You know, uh, far clear of the relegation zone, outperforming some more much more established Premier League teams. So. Uh, and one of the smallest budgets in the league by far. So yeah, really good, for, really good for them. I feel like they're being very efficient. You know, as you said, the smallest budget and they're, they're newly promoted team, very small in their in terms of their, what they've got at their disposal. Um, I think they've got the lowest possession in the league. You know, but mm. but you know that doesn't tell you that sort of shows you. You just got to take your goals when you can, get your points when you can, and I think that's what they've done. So, uh, and I expect them to continue. So, uh, they haven't really shown any signs of wobbling, really. Especially, you know, they haven't gone on for many barren runs in terms yep. of not getting any points. So, they're they're looking very good and should be very proud. Oh God, that sounded so patronising. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> um, all right, well, down into the bottom half of the table, and it does start to get very, very congested from about ten positions uh, from about 10th place downwards only four points separate 10th place from from 16th and the relegation playoff um so those teams are in order casapia estrella portimonens estriel aruca gilvesen and rio ave um obviously um quite a few teams to talk about here i think it's interesting Bonnie, to take these teams in terms of uh, teams who are kind of uh, average and then teams on the up and teams perhaps on the way down. So the teams for me that are looking fairly kind of uh, uh, safe and secure, not really going up or down for me, that looks like Casapia, I would put Estrella in that bracket um, and Portman ends. Whereas teams on the way down, I'm looking at probably um, Gilles Vicente, who, who's, who's really, really struggled with 
with a waveform. I would I obviously always tempted to uh, shit on portable ends, but uh, you know they do look all right. They have got some decent results, so I'll give them but that. But on the po on the positive end, Barney, I think teams on the up. You're looking at teams like Estrella, Estrella, excuse me, your team and teams like Aruka, and I would include now Barney and um, teams like Kriyav, who all look like they're they're kind of improving, and and the second half of the season will be better than the first. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think Portsmouth's win against um, a friend sort of masked their sort of, I don't know, I, I think they they'll, they'll hang around the bottom end and maybe get a bit closer. Um, They've got, Estrella Barney, the, the second worst goal difference in the league, despite being, yeah. you know, in 12th and 18th, minus 18, um, says everything you need to know, really. They get battered and then they churn out a 1-0 every now and again. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think Estrell Pry are right on the way up. Aruka hopefully um, 0% I think is the, perhaps the most interesting team in there I've, I've, um, as it's that midway point of the season I've seen a lot of people starting to put out their teams of the mid of halfway through the season out on um, on Twitter I mean, and a few of those have been excluding the big four there's a couple of 0% players in there you know in the in those people's team of the team of the season so far but you know and that, which it shows you everything like they've mm. got some quality but they just yeah I think Campalas's days are numbered there um, Estrella Albert I think I would love I would love to see them stick, steer clear it's they, it's it's a yeah. very much under the radar story their season they're just very quietly picking up points but that draws um, and they'll be delighted with that though Barney because I mean their only yeah. aim when getting promoted was survival and I think that sort of 11th spot is um, they'll be really happy there I think oh completely yeah uh, yeah they, they won't be complaining at all Um it's the you know uh, if we really get into the nitty gritty now, I think I do think Rosella and Shadows will be those teams that will perhaps struggle to get out of this relegation zone now, um, mm -hmm. and um, and maybe we could be looking at the sort of race for the playoff spot uh, be the one that really heats up. So um, yeah, it's a uh, it's do you know what? I've, I've I have enjoyed this season. It's that it feels like you know even talking about Rosella today, like it there's t teams it it just shows you and and Boavista especially it just shows you that teams can just have. Yes, they felt quite clear. Sorry, last season felt quite clear cut. You know, we could see quite early on the teams that are really in mm -hmm. for it. There's been a few twists and turns this season, um, and and teams have had moments of fortune and moments of, um, yeah, looking bad. So, I, I, yeah, it's been it's been a bit more interesting and closer for me. It's been harder to predict, certainly. Definitely. Um, and look, we're, we're all set for a really big second half of the season. Less international breaks getting in the way. Um, much more football to be played. So um, we're really looking forward to it. Um, we're going to leave it there. Uh, I think that's about all we've got time for. But I hope you enjoyed that um, uh, roundup of the table as we head into the second half of the season. Uh, once again, just a reminder that if you enjoyed the show, you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a star rating on Spotify. Or even better, you can just share the podcast with someone that you think might enjoy it. You know, spreading the word about this show is is um, probably the most uh, the most beneficial thing you can do. And uh, that's always appreciated. Of course, if you, if, you, if you really enjoy it and you want to help us out in a big way uh, and in get involved with a lot more content, um, we do, of course, have the Patreon page where you become a longboard football socio for one pound a month it helps fund a completely diy completely independent completely self-funded podcast which uh me and barney do in our free time and, and there are some nice benefits that i highlighted at the top of the show so check that out if you're uh, tempted um but i think that just needs me to say barney thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week yes next week